0: Never give up. I never give up. I never give up. Hi, guys. Welcome Turning back to My around. Steps to Sobriety, my show on YouTube and as a podcast with me, your host, Stefan Neff. Mike Forrester, my guest today, and me have got a lot of things in common. There are the ruggedly handsome looks and the shiny pate up here, um, the trauma that we have gone through in the past, uh, the the ways that we sought relief and escape from reality, Um, the kind of life we are nowadays trying to live, it is as if... We are, to a certain degree, a little bit, you know, the same same peas out of the pot. And therefore, it's so intriguing for me. I can't wait to talk to this guy because, like me, he is out there to make this world a better place, to help men try to reinvent themselves, to find out who they want to be when they grow up. And it doesn't matter if they're 17 or 70. Uh, We are here because we've been in the darkness we are both now living and yearning for the light and and often end up being the light in the darkness of others and that's a bloody cool thing to do so mike welcome to my show Stefan thank you <laughs> so much for inviting me to join you super <laughs> excited
1: for our conversation today
0: <laughs> indeed and it's so beautiful because there we are um it is it is amazing how life throws so many of us trauma, curveballs, left, right and center. And so many of us stay in a in a victim role for sometimes their lifelong, all their life. And some of us graduate from victim to survivor, and then get stuck there. And some of us experience that bliss of post traumatic growth. And it's, it seems to me that the two of us went through those three stages and probably oscillate from now and then back and forth but that's cool (laughs) but i want to know more from you i mean how did your story start is this i mean you're not one day when you were eight years old think you know what i know what i'm gonna be i'm gonna be a coach for men to be real men hmm i don't think so (laughs) no i started out going I'm going to be
1: dysfunctional, try and destroy my marriage, my relationship with my children. I mean, that was my goal there. No, (laughs) not at all. Not at all. But that was what I was getting as far as the results. But like you talked about, you know, I didn't understand who I was. I knew that my parents had told me, you know, hey, you're a mistake. You weren't intended. You'll not amount just what you want to hear from your parents, right? You would hope that's the pl- place that's safe, that's uplifting. And it's not for all of us. So, you know, it's it's one of those, I thought, as crazy as this sounds, that I was the only one that was in that kind of boat. And as we start talking about what we've gone through, what we've experienced is when we realize and come to that discovery, that we're one of many and that we're not far off from what others have experienced. And that I think is honestly, when I felt like things could change when I could give myself almost permission to go about, Hey, I, I'm tired of of this life I'm living. I'm tired of who I am. I'm tired of hurting my family. Um, And the pain that I was feeling was what I was putting into them right They're the safe place. But going through childhood, you know, ended up going through physical abuse with um, my mom, still have stuff like, you know, we've got pigmentation in our, in our arms, right? I've got marks on my arms where they will never tan because we got into that kind of a situation. And that came out of her pain. Of what she grew up with. And my parents both did the best that they could. And all I could ever see when I was at that point, just like you talked about being a victim, was why me? Why am I the one living this hell? Why am I the one with these two parents? And the best way that I could put who I became was I was a cross between Eeyore, where I was a victim. And I was so ticked off everything that was going on that i was the hulk and it was the worst combination for being a husband oh. and being in a father because neither one of those places are safe or secure and so i left my family in a bad place because th- that's where i was um
0: so that was kind it of is interesting you know yeah, no, it's interesting because i should have music for a time warp uh, but not the funny time warp, but really actually the time machine because you're you oscillating very quickly from um Sorry. five, six, seven, eight years old to being now father and uh and basically the outcome of maybe those childhood traumas. um so but we are talking probably 20, 30 years, two, three decades in between. Now in those two, three decades, a lot of things happen. Uh, let's go there first. So, and and by the way, I feel exactly the same when you're explaining that. I I very much recognize myself in that, but I'm intrigued. You initially there was pain there, and there was anger, the Hulk that you describe. Um, so, what were the first things that helped you with that pain? We all try to escape in one way or the other. So, what was your escape? Oh man, my youngest
1: way of medicating of escaping the pain at home was playing video games. And I know that can seem innocuous. And it's like, it's a video game. You know, when people think about addictions, they're thinking more towards the drug, the alcohol, Mm -hmm. sex, video games can become an addiction. It's a habit that helps you escape, Mm -hmm. not to be present, not to give you life. And so I went so far as stealing from my parents money to go to the arcade, because I needed that fix is is literally had its claws in me to where it's like, I need to be at this place and do this thing in order to feel like I had some value. And, uh, you know, that then led into continuing on as I, you know, got into my teens, my 20s, my 30s. There was a point, where I was playing video games 12 to 14 hours a day, every Mm -hmm. day, because it gave me a feeling of completion of participating in something where I could see that I achieved something. I completed it. Uh Truth was it didn't fricking matter. I mean, like tell me (laughs) that a video game statistic or a score has any bearing in our life. But
0: it does. It does at that moment. It does, (laughs) isn't it? And it is... And uh, like you, I actually, you know, when once you had once I had my first computer, it was probably solitaire on there. And then yeah, I was lucky it was snakes or ladders or something like that. But then then the sort of the first shoot 'em up games uh, came on the first person kind of things. So that was always my 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 thing. And once they got better uh, and more, wow, the graphics got better. I got hooked like you. So there were days when I was just playing, playing, or nights that I was playing, playing, playing. And um, having said that, whilst I was, ah, and I was glad that I've done it, I was often then afterwards, okay, now what? I was frustrated. Shit, I finished this game. I can't continue. I, uh, it's, uh, 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 what's missing? The adrenaline was, was ebbing off, and I hated that. I can remember that more than the excitement from the games, actually. Did you have the same, that kind of anticlimax afterwards? Yeah, it's, as,
1: as you progress through the game, it gets more and more intense. Oh. You feel this drive to be able to beat this boss or to beat this level, <laughs> and when you don't, Even though this is supposed to relax you or give you fulfillment, it instead agitates you and you become more ticked off. (laughs) And so it's like this double-edged sword. I need to do this. I don't want to do this. And, you know, it's like so many addictions, you know, like I was addicted to porn. My dad had, you know, back in the days, this is before, you know, the Internet had magazines and it Mm. was another way to escape Mm. and medicate. And so it's one of those of you want this to escape, to get mm-hmm. out, to forget what you're doing. But yet there's the shame factor of why do I keep doing this? Am I not enough? Am I not strong enough? Why can I not do this? And so it helps you escape, but it also devalues you and deflates you in the process. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's almost like. Um, a a temporary escape. Mm. But then that feeling of shame just continues to pile on. And
0: that's more in the long term, in the process of it. Mm. Very wisely said, very wisely said, having said that there are other addictions that can be seen as very beneficial. Um, For example, being a workaholic. And I have to say that I became a workaholic long before I became an alcoholic. Um, So I lost myself in my work, I lost myself in my education, which obviously suited me well to become a doctor. Um, I lost myself in my martial arts. Um, Again, it was maybe running away, maybe doing that. Um, How were you at school? Was that a similar journey for you? Or was school not for you? School was a
1: struggle, I'll be honest. So it wasn't until I was 40 years old, and two of my children were diagnosed, they were tested for dyslexia that I found out that I have dyslexia. Uh-huh. And for me, it was a light bulb moment uh-huh. because it was like, I struggled so much. I would sit there and go B, okay, capital B. And, and I'm falling behind. It's like running a race and yet you're crawling. uh uh-huh you're comparing it's another area you're comparing yourself Uh and finding yourself Uh wanting and inadequate and i just felt like i didn't ever belong which just compounded the fact that i didn't belong at home you know Mm. um it it Mm. it left me feeling like i was on we talked about, you know, kind of being special, there's a great way of being special. And there's the not so great way. Mm-hmm. Well, this was the one that wasn't desired. And mm-hmm. so that just became more of a message that I told myself, it's Isn't like, it? you're, you're stupid, you can't do this. Exactly. And so the messages that I was told outside, I then internalized and told myself and continued to pile on, it's almost mm-hmm. one of those of you're. You've got somebody putting a dirt on you in a um in a grave, right? Somebody shoveling dirt. No, that's not good enough. Let me go get the backhoe or the front loader and just expedite this process. <laughs> and it just took me to a darker place, lower self-esteem, lower self-worth. And that just compounded the whole thing of being a victim and oh. being angry that. I couldn't have the life that I saw that you had. And it's like, what's wrong with me that I can't have this life that Stefan's having. Why am I not worthy? And so things will either help us in what's going on, or they will continue to tell the story of what we believe about ourselves and what we deserve. And I just at that point in my life continued to pile on and pile on and pile on mm. and uh it was not beneficial to to me or anybody in my life.
0: Mm. Beautiful. How was your relationship a uh, relationship with food? Did you <laughs> was were you was your family first of all uh aware of healthier versions of eating or did you have the typical standard american diet Uh, i know you grew up in in uh, in the midwest isn't it um so corn potatoes um and uh the the carbs or mass is that about right or is that my prejudice here well at that point in time my dad
1: was retired military and so we were in southern california oh i see And so, yes, now I live in Kansas, I'm in the Midwest, it's, (laughs) you know, it's, it's literally the middle of the US. But at that time, I was living out in Southern California. Now, my parents, like I said, they were both hurt, they were doing the best they could with who they were. And financially, it was just one that they were trying to get by with what they had. And so we would go through periods of, um, you know, just eating bread with toast. Well, sorry. Yeah, toast with with toast. Butter. Yeah, toast (laughs) with toast. It's like untoasted toast. That doesn't work. No. I hear you, (laughs) You brother. Clarify that picture. I hear you. I hear you. (laughs) It was toast with margarine. Right. And so that was the meal three times a day. Mm. And so it was cheap. It was Mm. available. And that was what they could get. Yeah. Well, you can imagine that did not help nutrition wise. So as a kid, Mm. I broke my um, part of my leg, I broke the the femur. And then let's see, is that right? Anyways, Mm. tibia, sorry, there we go. Yep. So I broke the tibia, I broke my pinky finger, I broke my thumb. and, And then at one point, I broke both the bones in my left forearm. So I didn't have a diet that gave the right nutrients. It was malnourished. Yeah. So um, probably into my early 20s, I was 5'11", 140 pounds. I was, yeah, pretty skin and bones. Scrawny. Um, yeah, but I was very active. Like my escape was cycling. Ah. So okay. I would cycle the distance that you could get from one area to the beach, it would take a half an hour to drive. I would bike it just because it was a happy place that I could escape to and be amongst other people that were happy. You know, they were smiling. It was a totally different environment Mm. from what I lived in. And of course I wanted to be there. So um, that was one thing that I would do that was healthy but, uh, you know, not having the fuel wasn't beneficial. So um, because I, my parents were, um, were in a place of hurt of themselves, my mom wanted to control things. So mm-hmm. that was very much her thing of manipulation and control. And so growing up, we had to be doled out food. And so there was actually a chain with a lock that was put around the fridge and the freezer unit, we couldn't get the food out. So now this, at the time, I didn't get this, I didn't understand it until I started healing myself that I could see this. So imagine I'm in my 30s, I have a a fridge full of food, I have my cabinets full of food, Hmm. I have a freezer and a fridge, obviously full of food. But the problem was, I would hold on to the food and never use it. And so I ended up with like steaks and pork and chicken that was five years old. I don't know about you, but I want fresh food, stuff that's not freezer burned and funky. And so I had all this food, but it wasn't usable. And it wasn't until I was in a place of health, emotionally and mentally, to be able to look back and go, why am I doing this? Why do I hold on to the food? Yeah. It's because I didn't have access to a food as a kid yeah. that I was, you know, now in a position of control and I was hoarding yes.
0: it. Please. I mean, that's it's... what you're describing is the very classical thing of uh, people who have gone through wars or have gone through famine. Um, that is exactly the same thing. It is my grandmother. Um, she would go nuts if there was something left on the on the plate um, because every morsel was of value to her because she had gone f- without and, and sometimes close to starvation um, in in her past history. So I think what you're describing there are very logical kind of consequences of growing up in such a, an environment. And don't so but it's of course, we don't see it until (laughs) until either someone points it out, or we we go through through stages of of growth, where we suddenly get a realization, ah, that is why things have happened. And that is so amazing to hear that. My goodness. So food. Uh, an interesting one. So you said scrawny, but now we both are larger men. So something changed in your relationship to food. Yes. So it became, well, it
1: became two things. One, I got married. And when I wasn't near my parents, then I quit trying to escape in the ways I did before I became Mm -hmm. less active. But I was also abusing myself in that When I got into the corporate world and, you know, it was like I was in IT and the whole idea was we can call you at 2 a.m. in the morning. (laughs) We can, you know, we can have you work 60, 80 hours a week in that environment. I then found my worth by taking a badge of honor by saying I get four hours of sleep a night. I'm man enough just to get by on this. That may be great for some people. It wasn't sufficient for me. So oh, yeah. I was burning both candles or both ends of the candle and found myself just depleting my hormones, my just mm. everything in my body, right? Mm. I'm abusing it. Um, so it it wasn't just one thing, but it all came back to one thing. It was who I saw myself as, and trying to find my worth and my value that I was making poor decisions, and then taking unhealthy actions that got me to that point where it's like, I'm drinking a two liter of Coke, I'm eating whatever I want, because at one point, my metabolism when I was active, was through the roof.
0: When I'm sitting at a desk, it's not the same. (laughs) Absolutely. But, 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 I dare to say here that you completely uh, saw your self-worth in being that man who's going out there, who is reliable in IT, who is making money, who is the provider. So you saw yourself in that role, you grew into that role to the detriment of everything else. Is that fair to say? That's spot on.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's way, way more than fair to say. (laughs) I mean, at work, it was still one where I was afraid if you were my coworker, that you would see through who I portrayed myself as (laughs) to see the real me. Uh, And so I was afraid at work of being found as a fraud. Yeah. But in going home, I felt even more inadequate. I didn't feel like I was the the husband that my wife could respect. I didn't feel like I was the father that was safe and nurturing and had the strength. I felt even less worthwhile and well-equipped in those roles at home. And so I would invest myself at work to at least prop up that facade and, you know, going back to that badge of honor that was where i was willing to do stuff to try and gain that medal yep to exactly. say hey i'm i'm the recipient of this award at work all the time feeling i hope nobody sees that you know i'm i'm standing on on quicksand you know <laughs> or in it
0: so oh yeah uh and of course, when you do 60, 80 hour weeks, there's not so much time for personal growth or at all for looking after yourself because then when you're not doing the 68 hours, then 60 or 80 hours, then uh, suddenly your family has got demands and I was stressed there. Um, we, what was your wife doing in response to that? Hmm. The best
1: that she could not to set off the landmines that would trigger me. Because we're at work, I couldn't go off at somebody. Uh, Home uh, was a place uh, where uh, I could uh, uh, safely with air quotes inflict pain and be the what I portrayed, what I perceived as the strong husband, the strong man. Right. It was unhealthy for me. It was unhealthy for my family. Like I was a bully. My, my son, um, at one time he, he asked me to interview him, you know, for my podcast and literally Stefan, he said he was afraid to be around me because I was a dictator. I was an authoritarian, No no parent sets out for that to be the way that they're perceived. No, I mean, you want it like, hey, running across the field, arms out, you know, (laughs) we're going to embrace and it's, it's amazing, right? Man, he's wanting to run the other way and just be invisible. And that was because of how I felt that I was then trying to put the power and the strength there And I'm hurting my family in the process. And so you can imagine my wife in that situation is trying to be the safe harbor for our kids. She's working to keep me. You remember that Hulk, right? She's trying to keep the Hulk in under wraps in essence, right? Not to trigger the Hulk to come out and Mm -hmm. play so to speak. And, uh, you know, I learned from my mom, and the way my mom treated my dad how to try and manipulate, whether it was through appeasement, whether it's through guilt, shame, just, I would work to try and trigger my wife to get into an argument and yell with me, and then browbeat her down to say, like, I won that argument. To make myself feel better, I was a bully straight out. And so she tried to be a buffer between the kids and I, and then also affirm me because she knew who I could be, but she knew until I decided to step in and hear what was going on and to see myself as, hey, I want to make a change, I'm willing to hear what. What I don't want to until I was willing to step in and make that change. She was trying to be like the
0: mediator. Does that make sense? A lot. Yet, you're putting your wife probably deservedly on a pedestal and you are expressing your gratitude and you're looking at the beautiful selves of your wife. I don't believe that there is such an angel in existence. I believe that there are a lot of broken people out there. And I believe that there are some trauma aspects to your wife as well. Oh, absolutely. And my educated guess is that there were equally some, some behaviors in your wife that were probably not so right. It takes two to tango. It also takes two to fight. Um, those arguments that you just said, you know, at work, I couldn't uh, blow off. And then I came home and I was angry. That was exactly what my marriage was like for 26 years. Um, And when I asked my wife, hey, why are you so angry with me? I'm not angry with you. But I'm I'm angry with work. And at work, I can't say it. And here, at least I am safe. So take it as a sign of love that I'm shouting at you. Fuck off. Nowadays, I say, I, I I have got now the strength to move away again from the victim role of the addict, that, oh, the addict, it's all my fault, whatever, whatever happened is all my fault. Um, I now, I think I'm just growing into that man who tries to say, well, actually, hang on. Is that really my fault? Is really everything my fault? Do I need to make amends for everything? So I think there is this balance. I think it takes is more to it. Whilst you describe it such a beautiful black and white picture, I just want to take it with a a pinch of salt, or maybe half a half a a cup of salt. (laughs) Is that fair, or is that there was definitely
1: stuff like once we began the journey of looking at ourselves? Yes, there was stuff that she needed. No. She didn't need to. She decided to work through on her side, Mm. right? Just as I worked through things on my side. And we took ownership of what we did and what we didn't do as Mm. well. Mm. And so there were things because she came out of a broken situation as well. And the things that she went through were different than what I went through. So we were both communicating differently. Mm -hmm. Mm. but it was one that she needed to find like her value and where she was at Mm. outside of the relationship and the children and what she was doing so there was still there was still stuff that we both chose to work through Mm. and are still working through like before you and i started the interview i shared that she and i as over this last nine months we had the opportunity to help you know my mother-in-law get her place ready to sell mm. at, you know like her house and everything like that we had conversations of who do who do we each want to be how mm. do we want to be as a husband and wife mm. how do we want to be as uh you know a parent because our children are now all adults who do we want to be as grandparents mm. And, you know, as friends, as professionals, business owners, you know, like all these different roles, what do we want these things to look at mm. as we get into our, you know, later into our 50s and our 60s and our 70s? I don't want this to be like where I retire. Mm. I want to be in a position where I set a different path and mm. a different uh, like target For my Mm. children and my grandchildren Mm. because my wife and i are breaking chains and we're changing the legacy that we inherited from our parents we now have the opportunity to set it and we're seeing our children that are parents be able to engage differently in how they parent from what they receive from the two of us so there's (laughs) freedom not only in (laughs) our own healing but our healing, and I can see it from your face, you're like, yep, experienced it. Um, (laughs) As, as we heal, it Mm. creates a space, it's not permission so Mm. much as me saying, Stefan, hey, you get to go do this now that I'm okay, go go right ahead. But there is space that opens up Mm. that's not taken up by that negative energy, that toxicity that exists around us, that it's then just like they talk about, you know. a rising tide lifts all boats. Guess what? When I lift up, I prove create space for my wife, my children, my friends, mm-hmm. different people around me mm-hmm. because they're feeling a difference and not going, Hey, I need you to stay down in your unhealthiness. You know, they're not intimidated by our growth and our healing. Yeah. Rather, it it gives them space to also make improvements in their
0: own life. That's right. Oh, it's beautiful. Uh, you're quite so right now I love the, the the picture that you paint with uh, the the grove and that uh some people in our environments do um do get lifted up as well do do uh can join in that growth by us modeling um a certain behavior that um they come to the party as well and that's that's a beautiful beautiful thing um. Having said that, many people are stuck in relationships where there's maybe a bit of a codependency or where there's actually where uh, the other person becomes afraid when there is an element of growth happening in the person that they're together with. What would you say to such a relationship? It is
1: one that you can only control you as much as I wanted to see my parents heal and change in who they were to experience Mm. the life that they wanted, they were intimidated by the changes I was making and the fact that the buttons that they knew to push weren't there to trigger me in the same way, right? So we all know, like, you get together for a holiday, you know, like, Thanksgiving, Christmas, mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. We each have our own roles. We know how to function in relation to something that somebody says. We know the buttons to push each other to defcon mm-hmm. for and watch you go off emotionally. <laughs> when those buttons aren't there and you don't play that role, you don't mm-hmm. react the same way. Mm-hmm. It can be disconcerting and uncomfortable mm-hmm. for the people around you, particularly when it's your family. Mm-hmm. And that's the struggle is you want to see somebody do better and you almost like link yourself to them. Hey, I'm getting better. You need to get better. That's, that is not what we need Mm. to anchor ourselves to. We each have our own decisions to make. Mm. I may make the right decisions. I may make the decisions that hurt me, Mm. but it's my decision to, to make Correct. and I can't wait until my spouse, my parent, my child decides to get on board. They may not get on board. And that's mm. the unfortunate thing. But our health and our progress, our growth is not contingent upon them deciding, hey, yeah, that's the right decision, you need to do what's right for you. Mm. And that baby focusing on your health in the mental emotional physical mm-hmm. capacity mm-hmm. and that can rub people wrong that's okay do what you decide that you're in a place that you, that benefits you the most mm-hmm. invite them along mm-hmm. leave it as an open hand right mm-hmm. if they want to come along with you let them come along with you understand your why without it being dependent upon somebody else approving it jumping onto it and go about it find people that are going to support you because i mean that makes it easier and so true
0: yeah so true man so true and it is it is coming back to the often the imposter syndrome that we feel or those core beliefs that we talked initially in our interview about, they are lay down often in the first few years. And like you, um, I never felt enough. I always felt to be a failure. Even nowadays, I'm in my mid-50s, I have achieved a hell of a lot. Um, and I still, deep down, consider myself a failure. And it is just one of these core beliefs. I just want to take a bloody chisel and a hammer and just get that shit out of my head. But no, it's still there, and it's it will probably still be there when I die. Um, but at least I'm aware of it, and I'm aware what a, a what a bullshit program it is. Um, and I nowadays take active steps. Of actually dealing with that in the sense of I actually often record those things that I've actually done in a day. Um, sometimes you're just raising through that day and the day is gone and you think, what the hell did I do? Um, yet when you actually write things down and have a bit of a of a success journal, gratitude journal, however you want to call it, um, there's a saying, if, if you uh if your life is worthwhile living, it's worthwhile recording. And so sometimes I get actually a lot of benefit out of the simple things of writing a to-do list, but more in the sense of have done list rather than to-do list and tick things off and say, oh, wow, actually, oh, shit. Yeah, I forgot that I did all that. And that actually certainly puts a bit of a value to it, um, however strange that is, however stuffed up my head is, you can could say, uh, whatever works for you. It just to, to give you that gratitude, give you that peace, to give you the validation due to your own actions, not validation from someone else, as you wisely said. Um, and it's so beautiful. So let's find ways where we can celebrate our little successes um, and where we can say, oh, I did that. and It doesn't matter what it is. I might be having, for you, putting two salad leaves Onto your, onto your toast when you normally never eat salad. Now, that's a success. That is, hey, go for it, man. That it needs celebrating, okay? You maybe not picking up a, a glass of wine, uh, rather rehydrating instead, et cetera. There are little things that we often take for granted or you, we strive for the big things out there. Bullshit. It's the little things that we need to celebrate, the little habits that we need to create. And suddenly, life changes. Uh, do you think that do you think i'm talking bullshit i see you nodding and <laughs> it's it's
1: so if we don't celebrate who's going to <laughs> True. in yeah. what we celebrate it highlights what's important to us yeah so what am i after who do i want to be what path am i on nice you talked about journaling okay one thing that i have seen for myself and and clients is that we are hyper critical of ourselves where I would show you gray Stefan, I will demean and beat myself up better than anybody else. And so in the journaling that you're talking about, because of my dyslexia, it's faster for me to dictate nice and see it written out. Right. Nice. It's one thing for me, I would see a hurdle and I would quit. Now Uh it's, I see a hurdle. How can I do this? Not why can't I do this? Nice. So as I write that stuff out, I then take it and turn it around and write it, you know, and look at it from a perspective of if Stefan shared this with me, what would my perspective be? Because I'll give you more grace than I will myself. Uh So when I look at, at what's going on and if I want to be, you know, critical of myself i can go why is that there what is at the root of this that i'm holding on to this criticality criticality and beating myself up you know Mm. it's what about my my self image is out of skew that Mm. i need to you know now shed some light work through and kind of drill down a little bit further but in Mm having it out there i can look at my beliefs i can see what i just take as me and dismiss it it now comes to light in putting it on somebody else and saying how would i react to them
0: sharing this information nice 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 because you're so right we are worst critics god the way i talk to myself sometimes and again, it's just yeah, ooh. nowadays I'm I'm aware of it. I'm aware of it. And sometimes I'm still calling myself an idiot, but I'm actually um more often than not have to laugh about a mistake that I made, uh and have to laugh about myself and with myself about myself rather than oh Aww. Why did you do whatever it was? And it's typically little things, isn't it? And so I'm I'm getting better in it, but oh, there's a long way to go. <laughs> there, <shit. laughs> hey, I've got another fifty years to go. So I, I, I'm come on. There is there is there is hope. <laughs> oh, oh, and that's the thing, man. Like
1: you and I have both gone on hard journeys. We've experienced what we wouldn't want anybody to experience. But the thing to realize is you are not what you've gone through. Mm. There is hope. Mm. And it's a matter of allowing yourself to pursue it and go, who do I want to be? If Mm. I didn't have all this stuff, if I didn't see myself that way, who would I be? And spend some time instead of watching a TV show or listening Uh. to music just sit and daydream. And I don't know about for you, but daydreaming for me was really easy, because if you and I had like this kind of situation or issue, I would role play every, every way it could go to figure out the right way to Uh go about approaching you and trying to, you know, have the conversation. So my creativity is there. It's just how am I going to apply it to my life to help me out, uh, not to try and manipulate myself uh, or
0: somebody else in the process. There is another thing about this creativity, because our, our brain can figure out a hell of a lot of situations, but typically it catastrophizes. So it can come up with the most beautiful ways how you can stuff up your life. And the reasons why you are such a failure, it comes up with zillions of reasons because often enough you're asking the wrong questions. why me? Why me? because well, what? your brain, your brain feels compelled to give you an answer. Well, yeah. you could also try to to maybe rephrase that. What can I learn from that? Do an after action uh, report of whatever has just occurred. Okay, what happened? How did it make me feel um okay. What was my role to, be to it that that led to it, maybe? You know, just have a look into those things. So if you ask it this way, it's no longer than, why me? So you're moving away from the victim. You're moving towards more positive analysis. And then if you rephrase the question again is, what can I learn from that? What can I do different? If I could go back in time and do it exactly the same scenario again, what would I do differently? Now, these are powerful questions and try to predict the future, try to predict what something, when something, or, um, that I don't mean go, go, go nuts. And I want to see the future. No, I want to, I want you to say, okay, you will go to work now and you, you know, you will go through the the entrance. There is the receptionist there. Um, imagine how can you put a, a smile on her face? Um, you could just go through, or you could first say, "Wow, oh, that haircut looks nice. Is that new? Or, you know, oh, lovely, the, the color of your blouse and your eyes, perfect. Uh, she will probably think, what the hell? And But you made, you made her smile. You made her feel good. In turn, you feel good. Hey, man, you manipulated the situation, but you manipulated it in a really nice way. You took action. And you made this world a better place. No, well, that's a kind of manipulation I like to do. I must say. <laughs> yeah. When
1: it's adding more joy, I mean, who doesn't want more joy? Mm. There's Isn't it? there's so many things that it's like we just look at it and go, I'm busy, I don't have the energy, I don't have the time, woe mm. is me. But putting a smile on somebody else's face and Mm -hmm. your own face Mm -hmm. has ripple effects that (laughs) we won't even be able to see because then, like you talked about, you know, the person at the front desk, then they have a smile. All those other people are coming through Mm -hmm. past her or him. And it's like, okay, great. Now they're having interactions. (laughs) And so the, the positive ripples that you can set out and it's like, you had talked about like our brain, you know, looking for the answers. If we change the perspective and it's like, why is it that I'm able to do this? How can I solve this? You know, I don't know about you, but I will take a shower. Or I'll go for a walk and something that I've struggled with, you know, that it's been the puzzle will come out of the blue. Absolutely and it's the so, shower
0: isn't it it must be something in the shower it's it happens to a, me too
1: <laughs> there's a portal of yeah, answers like, that just comes <laughs> down with the water you know
0: same here same here sometimes and but you need to be open to it um yes. you need to be just let all your thoughts go and suddenly bing there's a solution bing there's another solution and it's ah oh, it's beautiful But we need to be open for that we need to stop running in our hamster wheel for that we need to stop for a moment and take a deep breath and try to clear our thoughts and try not to distract us with life with whatever um when we we too have been so active so busy in distracting us in the past we both have learned we need to stop what do you do nowadays to stop what is your, your stopping routine? Your, your, where, how do you look after yourself? Um,
1: so for me, as far as like the self-care taking care of myself, it's become very habitual, but in a positive way, right? So you and I talked a little bit about this. I'm working to reclaim my health. I want to see my grandkids and and be a part of their life. And so for me, In the morning, I'm getting up, I'm doing a cold plunge. Now, part of that goes back because when I was, when we talk about, you know, my mom being controlling, found out later she was paranoid schizophrenic. Well, in her paranoia, we were renting a duplex and the water heater broke. So I grew up with taking cold showers and that was all we could do. So then as an adult, a cold shower for me transported me right back to that time. And it was like, I'm out of control. I have no power. But in putting myself and choosing to put myself in that kind of a position, it has helped me to work through that and the hesitancy and disassociate it to where I don't have a choice. I'm powerless. It's like, no, I'm choosing to do this. This this cold water helps me physically, right? It's releasing all kinds of chemicals. I mean, the Hmm. studies are there. But it's also on an emotional and event basis, helping me to find power to work through and past what as a teen had kept me kind of imprisoned. Hmm. So cold plunges for me are powerful, not just in the, the studies basis, you know, the medical studies basis, but also in the emotional release. Um, the other thing that I do, I've got like a red light sauna. So that heat shock, you know, sweating out the toxins, the stuff we all accumulate just by living, um, drinking water. So water was not something that after spending decades of drinking two liters of soda that has sugar and tastes amazing, water was bland. And, you know, so I bought into that belief process, but it's educating myself and going, there's another option how can I find flavor in water, maybe I can add some lemon, Mm -hmm. maybe I can add amino, you know, like, uh, amino acid mix, you know, there's different ways to work Mm -hmm. around it. But it's getting that water in, in a way that I see as healthy, right without the sugar, Um, the journaling, like you talked about, but I also do affirmations, which is like asking questions, instead of saying like, um, I am successful. It's like, why am I successful? Because our brain is working to go do that. So that's something that comes from um, Noah St. John. Hmm. He's like, uh, wrote a book about affirmations. So it's like with an O, instead of an I. Ah. So it's asking questions so that your brain goes out and works on this stuff. Nice. While you know, while you're doing other
0: things, your brain is still active. It multitasks. Nice, <laughs> nice, nice. Okay. So I've not heard about that, but that makes a hell of a lot of sense because it it actually uh, hijacks that uh, that that uh, res- that that uh, brain response that it wants to give you answers. So you're mm-hmm. actually um, doing that in a systematic fashion, rather than yes. taking it for granted. Nice, I like it. Yeah, so, I mean,
1: there's some prep work in that, mm-hmm. just in deciding where do I want to be? What are the questions that put me yeah. on that path? Um, nice, nice. Okay. Then the other thing is physical, right? Yeah. So going to the gym, getting myself moving, you know, it just mm. all those things set me up in the best place. It's not the same for everybody and not everybody needs to have it at the level or the time frame that I do. It's a mm-hmm. personal thing. Mm-hmm. What works for Stefan, what works for somebody else, totally individual, right? But have something that you find that gives you energy. And so mm-hmm. for me, that's that's having routine puts me in the best place. Um you know nice. to to actually be able to follow
0: through. Nice. Nice. But even if you don't necessarily have a routine, if you can't have a routine, because you're a shift worker, or because life is chaotic, it is still if you actually start uh, putting emphasis on key aspects of your life, and that means the nutrition, the hydration, the sleep, the um, the exercise, you can actually however busy your life is, you can make tremendous changes. And it is a matter of you actually putting emphasis on it. That's all it is by creating a habit. Um, there was a nice book written a while ago by uh, a uh, a businessman or journalist kind of guy uh, author who uh, had a seal a navy seal moving in with him uh, for one month, and basically the, to to help him um, get his his act together, and oh boy. Uh, so in this case, of course, the Navy SEAL was very focused on, on the physical activity size, uh, side mm-hmm. and it, uh, you know, they, yes, I've got a meeting in, in 10 minutes. So what? Down to 20 pushups. Okay. So, you know, that kind of stuff. And when you do that in your own life, you don't need to have a SEAL next standing next to you. But you can, for example, say, okay, every time I eat something, um, I do 10 squats and 10 just push-ups on the table. Do that. You've moved all your muscles there a bit. Okay. And now you eat something. Um, with that you open up your muscle the glucose receptors. So whatever you eat actually goes first in the muscles and then into the liver and fat. Um, so that's nice. So that's a little trick how you can lose weight easy. But suddenly you add exercise in, you can say, okay, I need to go upstairs uh, and get something, go upstairs, downstairs, upstairs, get something. Who says you can't? You know, stepmaster version one. <laughs> okay, mark one. <laughs> Use it. <laughs> there you. <laughs> so there's so many ways how we can include exercise in our daily life. Um, mm-hmm. It's completely up to you. Who says you have to park your car closest to the to the door? Uh, Park it furthest away from the door. That's what I do. Um, When you go shopping, go in the middle of the car park or end of the car park provided it's safe to park there, Um, you know, and walk. That's it. So there's so many ways, guys. It's ask yourself the right questions. What we have just been saying, ask the right questions. Um, How can I become a better version of myself? And chances are exercise needs to be in there. And especially the older we get, you either use it or you lose it. No two ways around it. So um, I'm on that path. And I know you are on that path to reclaim our health. We lived dodgy lifestyles in the past. I can assure you, I've got genes that are awful. Um, so I should be dead according to my cardiovascular genetic health. Um Having said that, with me stopping drinking, eating healthy, using the appropriate uh, food as medicine, um, I uh, have now come to a point where my blood vessels that supply oxygen to the heart, so coronary arteries, um, they're clean as a whistle, like a baby. Uh, Now, that should not be the case with the life that I lived in the past. But it is, I checked it. And so therefore, I know the past does not equal the future, guys. You can change. You have got a power. Yes, life is a bitch. Yes, you might just right now go through a hard time. And that's the reason that you're listening to this podcast. But here you are. If these two bald numbnuts can get their shit together here, <laughs> come on, come on. There is hope. Truly, there is hope. <laughs> 100%. And
1: I mean, that's the thing. It's, it can be as simple as starting out just going, I'm going to do box breathing, right? An intentional style of breathing Mm -hmm. and find your confidence, your wins, like we talked about earlier, celebrate your wins. Hey, I'm going to do this for two days. I'm going to do this for one day. Just do something intentionally. Take the wind and let that boost your confidence to take on other stuff. It's just like working out our muscles or running. You know, you can lift more as you work out more, you can run further, as you continue to practice running. Mm. It's it's a habit, it's a practice. And it doesn't mean like, just last week, there was, you know, like when your battery runs out in your smoke detector, Mm. it will chirp. That sound teleported me back to my 30s when I was separated from my wife for a while. And it was just like, I need to work through some stuff but it was a situation where i was living with a friend for 6 months and that noise teleported me right back to that time frame and it was like this is interesting hmm okay and so i worked through some stuff from a different angle than i had before but it's put me in a different place and it's helped open my eyes of what was going on at that time frame my wife and i had some conversations and it was like is there anything else that we're missing? No, I don't think so. Mm. Okay, great. And we moved on. But it was a it was a opportunity to come to a realization of what had gone on and that there's still stuff that it's like, oh, hey, this is an uh an association, a track, a way back. Yeah. And uh, you know, instead of beating myself up, which is what I would have done before, I was able to work through it, you know, with my wife and and come out on the other side. So I mean Beautiful something as simple as breathing, just as an exercise mm.
0: will f- will help you gain the confidence to move forward. Beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Um, I'm at a moment going through a journey where I, I'm becoming a breath coach, just because I wanted to actually learn more about about breathing. And it is beautiful, but you don't need to go into such in-depth journey like I'm at a moment. Um, if you have a smartwatch, um, good old Garmin. I just love my Garmin. I don't get any any benefits from saying that. Okay, this is not not any kind of advertisement. I just love it um, because it has so many features and it has um, um, a breath kind of education there. So you can say different different breathing rituals, so to speak. Uh, it teaches you how to do it. It times you. Etc. It's beautiful. So, five days ago or so, I in the morning I had a doozy of of an anxiety attack. It was just uh, going nuts in my head, and um, I thought, no, no, I don't want to live like that. So I did actually set a certain protocol up: twelve minutes of breathing, and for twelve minutes I just focused on that breathing, and it was a uh, a beautiful calming experience. And it is such a beautiful thing, you have got power to interrupt that wave of neurochemicals that is washing over you, you have got a power with your breathing to actually activate your parasympathetic nervous system, your vagus nerve, and calm the shit down that is going nuts up there. And it was beautiful. So therefore to actually do these kind of things. You don't need to to find the Dalai Lama who is sitting in a lotus pose on a high mountain. You just need to be willing to say, okay, at the moment, this is not good. So which action can I take right now to actually get myself better? And chances are taking a deep breath, and having a glass of water is already a bloody good way to start with that you have already done three things, you actually stopped Fought. You actually then took a deep breath, and you had a glass of water. Free actions. That's not bad. From being a victim to well, at least going into survivor. And if you now then practice that more, just as much as you're practicing, maybe a dumbbells at the gym or something like that. Initially, that you couldn't even lift a dumbbell without the weight on, and now you're throwing the weights around. It's the same thing with everything that you practice, from communication to meditation. To breathing, so it is beautiful, and I think that's where you come in, Mike, isn't it? Because you're really helping men to to go through this journey of becoming better men, better versions of themselves. Um, if people are interested in you and the work that you're doing, where can they find you? Well, the best place I would direct
1: them—they're already looking to you for encouragement. I would say another place for encouragement that goes right alongside is tuning into the podcast living fearless today and whether it's video games alcohol drugs Hmm. trauma whatever has you to where you're not on that path to be in the version of the man you want to be Hmm. there's other men that you'll see that it's like hey they went through this they're in a different place they were able to get past this Mm. and often that that hope that encouragement it builds a bridge that we can then see hey there is hope for me as well Mm. and that's often what we need to take the action to continue taking the next step so I would say tune in you know for me that was podcasts were the tool that got me to the point where I continued to take action and see things from a different perspective than what I had brought up, you know, been brought up in and the beliefs that I had built. So, you know, definitely stay, continue listening to Stefan and his guests on uh, Steps to Sobriety. And then if you're looking for some additional, I'd say come join, listen in. And uh, man, it just keep taking like, like we talked about, breathing is right there for you mm. so just do something to put you in that direction but i thank you stefan for for inviting me to join you and, and
0: share today i appreciate it my friend absolutely mike you're an amazing man and you are Uh, You have you have started on a path and you're just a little bit further down the line than other men. And so same with me. So guys, it is it's it's a beautiful path. It's meandering. You have no idea what's around the corner. Uh, Sometimes it can be painful because there's some healing involved. And with that, sometimes we we have to look into the past, what has occurred. And that's okay. Um, But it is I encourage you guys, please, please stop running. Stop. Stop hiding, stop escaping your reality by actually looking right out right now. Look out for yourself, love yourself, begin to treat yourself with the respect that you deserve and be the role model to yourself by by taking little action steps but just keep going the right direction figure out who you want to be and often that's much easier when you have got uh, some role models Uh, and these are the people that that are coming on our respective shows so here you are so just just uh, since we are there go down there press the like and subscribe button Um, then check out uh, Mike's uh, show the links are down there so no excuse for you not to find it and hop across um wait a little bit and then you're gonna uh, see another repetition of that but in different seats i come onto the hot seat uh on his show so he can grill me to his heart content uh so i'm looking i'm looking forward to that (laughs) mike thank you so much for being a guest on my show you were an amazing amazing guest Thank you, my friend. And I appreciate your openness and encouragement. Mm. Thank you. And you guys out there, look after yourself and live with passion. Bye. I never give up. I never give up. I never give up. Turn around.